0: Hello, hello everyone. It's Britt, the petite polymath, coming at you for a special episode because of the current snowpocalypse of Central Texas. Today I'm going to be talking about a few things I've been watching and some thoughts I've had. So if you need a break from the cold, take a listen. Hello, hello everyone. So I come to you from my bed with a heating blanket. It's Tuesday, Yes, it is Tuesday, February 15th. No, is it the 16th? It's the 16th now. I don't even know what's going on. I feel like I had a better track with just COVID. But when you add inclement weather on top of it, the days are even more disorienting. Um, so it seems that the majority of the south of the U.S. is currently um, enshrined in ice and snow. Um, I was home in Mississippi for um, a family bereavement and was supposed to get back to Austin last week Thursday but we had to drive to the nearest airport which is Memphis and there was weather so um, I decided not to fly out on Thursday and then we drove to Nashville to fly out on Friday and thankfully we made it out when we did because now I mean we would be stuck wherever we were Um, so I got back Friday and my brother and I, like, got groceries and um, organized our lives a little bit. And the power had been out in our house. So, I, you know, thankfully it was back on and we were able to kind of get the house warmed up before all of this happened. So what have we been doing? Um, besides cooking, we watched WandaVision, which is on Disney+, Plus, which I thought initially was the origin story of The Scarlet Witch. Um, Or Wanda from the Marvel Universe um, and Vision, but actually it's not, and I think it takes off after the end of the Avengers Infinity War, um, and that in-between, where the people that were disappeared, like, what happened to them, and I was very confused at the beginning. I think there were seven episodes, and they're, like, about half an hour each. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, because I, like, haven't read any of these comics. But I have watched almost every Avengers movie or spinoff. Um, so Wanda and and Vision are this couple. Um, Vision is made out of vibranium, which for those of you who know about Black Panther, it's like this indestructible metal that also has all its power, right? Um, and he's played by Paul Bettany. I really love him. He's an excellent actor. And then Wanda is this Russian woman who is actually a twin, if I remember correctly. Um, Quicksilver is her, is her brother, um, who is killed in one of the comic stories before we get to this series. And pretty much, I would say WandaVision is one of the best treatises on grief that I have ever seen in like popular TV. So we know from the Avengers Infinity War, spoiling nothing because who hasn't seen this or just won't plan on watching it, so I'm not like ruining anything for you, um, Vision uh, is killed um, by Thanos um, so he can get his Infinity um, Stone. And Wanda, who seems to be one of the one people, who one, one of the one individuals who can give Thanos a run for his money, um, is also she killed i can't remember but at any rate she's no match for thanos so uh, division starts off and and the like form the form um of the show is like a sitcom from the i love lucy dick van dyke leave it to beaver era era so it's black and white and very like you know, traditional family roles and everything is like, you know, just so. And it's kind of like Pleasantville. But then there are these glitches that seem to occur where something lets you know that something's not right. And I don't want to give it away because I really think you need to watch the show. So I'm just telling you that it it messes with you a bit because you're like, this is creepy. Like, is something happening? Like, something happening to Wanda? Or is Wanda the cause of the something happening? And then as you go through the season, like through the episodes, every episode jumps to the format of a, a sitcom in that decade. So 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s to 90s. Um, and it's really done well. I, the first episode, I didn't know. I honestly was just confused and I didn't know what, what, what was happening. But as you keep going, you realize that there's... Um, something going on outside of this world. The thing that struck me, though, was that Wanda has had such loss in her life and she has compartmentalized that loss or has found this need to um, disconnect from it, uh, to try to have the life that she's always wanted. And I, I think that for those of us who have suffered loss, which, I mean, all of us have or will in this life, um... It's incredibly poignant about what do we do with our grief. Um, we can't just stay in the, like, wallowing in despair, but we also have to be there for a period of time. And it's actually a perfect, um, I don't know, counterpoint to the fact that it's Shrove Tuesday and Lent starts tomorrow. <laughs> How fitting. My work is canceled. I just got a text saying that, like, we don't have clinic tomorrow as well. So three days of no patients. Um, And a friend of mine wrote a book called Prayer in the Night for Those Who Work or Watch or Weep. Um, So this friend, Tish Harrison Warren, is also a former priest of mine. Um, She wrote a book called The Liturgy of the Ordinary, which I highly recommend, and this book is beautiful. Um, It was birthed out of a series of of episodes of grief that she experienced in a relatively concentrated period of time. And I, I understand what it's like to have loss that's isolated, which is its own thing. But there could be times in life where you kind of feel like the biblical character of Job, where you just can't catch a break. And it's just one tragedy after another. And you are just like, I feel like I'm being kicked when I can't even get back up on my feet. And um, I'm an Anglican. And there is this idea of liturgy, which is a fancy word for something called the work of the people, which is this idea that, um, that practices of spiritual life um, are there to help sustain us when we don't have the, the energy or ability to, like, dredge up the stuff on our own. Um, that we are a part of a bigger community um, that holds each other up and that that community is actually um, empowered and strengthened by the work of the Holy Spirit um, that gives us the the place to rest when we need rest and to be carried, when we need to be carried. And I, I think if there's anything, if there's any time in life where this really has impact, I would say, having lived through a global pandemic, um, losing my grandparents in the span of six months. Um, transitions of life, whether it's like thinking about next steps in my career or, um, you know, protracted singleness when maybe you're um, desiring companionship um, and just the unknown things that are, that are around the bend in life. I find this to be um, incredibly poignant. And so we have this rhythm in the church of taking time to lament and grieve loss, and to sit in that, in that space, um, knowing that it will not endure forever, even if it feels like it. So uh, there's a two-for-one. You should watch WandaVision if you have access to Disney+. Plus. You should also buy my friend Tish Harrison Warren's book, Prayer in the Night, as we're entering into Lent. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about the other thing that I just binge-watched. Okay, my break is over. So um, I was talking to a friend um, because um, she was super excited as we entered the weekend into Valentine's that the third installment of Jenny Han's To All the Boys I Have Loved Before, Always and Forever came out. So I've never watched any of these movies or read any of these books. And that's strange for me because I love young adult fiction. And I'm even more a sucker for romantic comedies that deal with adolescence. Um, but I I don't know why it just, it just kind of happened and I didn't get on the bandwagon at the time. It's on Netflix. And I decided since I was not going to have to work today that I would start watching these movies at like eight o'clock last night. Um, so I'd had a long conversation with, with a friend who was super excited about my, um, entering into this little world and oh my gosh, it was so wonderful. So, for those of you who don't know about it, um, the story is about a girl named Lara Jean. She is half Korean, half white, lives in the Pacific Northwest. Um, her father father is a widower um, and also a doctor. He has three daughters, and her mother died when she was young. And they, they live this, you know, normal, upper-middle-class life in Oregon. So Lara Jean's the middle child of these three sisters, She's going into her sophomore year of high school. And she is near and dear to my heart because she reminds me of myself. I would say she's someone who is not, like, you know, popular, but popular adjacent. And, like, has a loving family and enjoys her family and has some good friends. Um, But she also has a lot of unrequited affection. So she has written these letters to boys she's had deep feelings for and address them but never sent them off and she's a huge bookworm she loves romantic um, like, like you know romance novels and lives a lot of things in her head but doesn't really have the guts to to move forward because when it's in the real life you can get hurt right well her little sister um, Catherine aka Kitty the OG for the record um, decides to give her a little nudge by mailing off all these letters to these boys. And then, of course, you know, chaos ensues. Um, that's the first of the three. So if you haven't watched them, I highly recommend it, and I don't think I'm spoiling anything by telling you this. But there is something that strikes me as you move your way through, through the books. So, well, not the books, the, sh- the movies. So one of those boys is the now ex-boyfriend of her older sister, this boy, and she, she and this boy were best friends, and then he fell for her sister. She didn't have the guts to tell him that she liked him, and so then, of course, she had to put him on the shelf because, you know, you can't date someone your sister dated, right? Um, but the other dude is a guy that she grew up with. He turns into being, like, this popular cute jock and ends up dating her frenemy, who was her former best friend. And, of course, you know, as adolescence happens... Often friends diverge and one of you ends up being cooler than the other and then like that's the end of that. So Peter Kavinsky, who is this boy, is someone that like she kind of contributes or assumes is out of her league. Um, They end up striking up this this, you know, kind of agreement in a Bridgerton way to fake a relationship so that, you know, she can keep her affections for her sister's ex-boyfriend secret and he can make his now ex-girlfriend her frenemy jealous and everybody's happy. But as we always know, these things don't ever really work out the way you expect and they end up actually falling for each other. So this relationship becomes the theme for the next two installments of this series. Um, The second one, To All the Boys I Loved Before, P.S. I Love You, is their transition from a fake relationship to an actual real one. And the third, Always and Forever, is their senior year of high school as they're processing where do we go from here as this couple, right? So things that this struck me, it struck me about this series was, one, um, love the music. When they played Blood Orange good enough, I was like, I'm in. These people rule. Sign me up. Number two, I thought, oh, my goodness, I wish I could go back to high school Because of the following. I always presumed that people didn't like me. That clearly was not true, as I have discovered in hindsight when I have interacted with people from that time in my life and realized, like, oh gosh, boys did like me and I just didn't know. And I didn't, like, I don't know, I just you know, you're in your own head and, and you have your own dialogue. And it was complicated because there were racial implications to my growing up that I just thought, like, oh, yeah, I'm invisible. But that's not true. Like, most of us are not invisible. And if we just had a little more oomph, who knows what could have happened in those times in our lives. Um, the third installment... Really struck me because, you know, when I was growing up, so my parents were not fans of teenagers being in monogamous, serious relationships because then you make plans for your future contingent on these relationships that usually don't survive, right? So, like, my dad would not have been a fan of me dating someone and then choosing to um, pick the school I'm going to college wise because I want to be close to the boyfriend, right? Um, These are the sorts of things that come up when you're in relationships in in high school. And I just love how they talked about this because Lara Jean is torn. She makes plans with Peter. They're going to be the different relationship, right? They're not going to break up um, at the end of high school. They're going to make it work. But then something happens. She goes on a school trip to New York and she realizes that she really loves NYU And what is so fascinating to me is Peter, who is a lacrosse player and uh, has gotten a full scholarship there, his parents had split up because his dad left and had a new family. And so he has this undercurrent of abandonment issues, you know, if people leave you, they don't love you, that he's working through himself. And that he projects in some ways onto Lara Jean so that when she doesn't want to go to school with him, He's thinking she doesn't love him enough when that's not it at all. And and, and he has to have this go through this process of realizing that love is something that is hard earned and fought. And yes, there are odds that may or may not be in your favor, but when you allow someone to be who they are, to do the things they need to do, you're actually creating a foundation where love can be chosen and not something where you have sacrificed because of fear of it not working. And I have thought about times in my life, because I think I have that, or had that Laura Jean streak, of um, adjusting my hopes or my goals, not like to the point where I had no ambition because of someone I cared about, but that I would have readjusted to make something work. And it seems that cosmically, divinely, thank you God, um... Those relationships just didn't seem to work out so that I didn't have to course correct. Which means that all the decisions that I've made about my future have not factored in a man. And that is an interesting thing. Um, I feel like men are not expected to necessarily do this in their lives. You know, women are supposed to follow their spouses. Um, they're significant to others in the hopes that something will work out. You know, I've seen women not apply for, for fellowships after residency because they want to be with the person that, that like, you know, they want to be with. Um, I've seen people not apply to all the programs available to them because they have to keep their radius small because of the person that they're planning with. I know girlfriends who only apply to schools in state because of being in a relationship with a man. Um, and men don't do this. And society doesn't give men this expectation of doing this, but it does for women. And in fact, I just saw an article um, that said, you know, rather provocatively, it's not your children holding you back, it's your husband. And I had just looked at it and I was like, oh gosh, well, there we are. Like what are the expectations we've put on women about what they have to sacrifice when they already sacrifice so much? And I mean, literally speaking, we sacrifice our bodies and our health and our and our well-being, um, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically, uh, in so many ways in families for things that are beautiful, right? For children, um, but. These are things that are just biologically a part of the deal, whereas then we add even more societal um, burdens on women uh, to to run a home and to be all these things, right? And I'm probably babbling at this point, but suffice it to say, what I am just coming to grips with is that there is a better way where we lean into relationships with um, care for each other, um, where there is mutual, um, sacrifice and, um, and also, uh, support for each other. And I think that I am even more hopeful of what the future may indeed hold, um, I don't have to be sad that I've missed a window, you know, from the ages of like 16 to, well, you know, 35 um, because I didn't adjust to fit someone's something for me. And I think that I am learning to have even more confidence about what sort of um, life that I want, what sort of relationship I want to have. And I am not regretful of the life that I have lived up to this point. Actually, I feel that it has freed me up for the possibility of something incredibly um, beautiful and life-giving in the future. So, those are my thoughts. All from pop culture. There you are. You're welcome. Stay warm. So I hope you enjoyed that rambling. Um, May I also just say that they handled sex really well in that series. Hat tip to the way that they, they portrayed adolescent boys as not all being as horrible as they often are shown to be. Um, I was really impressed by that, and I know that to be true. So good job, Netflix, on that. Um, You all have a great week. The sun is coming out. Hopefully the snow will melt. Stay well.